Chapter Two of Zauberlinda the Wise Witch by Ava Catherine Gibson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Miriam Esther Goldman. Chapter Two, Annie's Friends and Pets. Annie was a happy child by nature, for she knew how to amuse herself, and all through the long summer days she used to find enough to do, so that she was always busy as a bee. Very likely she would not have felt the loneliness of her life on the farm so keenly, or longed so earnestly to go to school, if it had not been for Aunt Molly's letters. Aunt Molly was the sister of Annie's dead mother. She lived in Chicago, and used to write often to Annie's grandmother, inquiring about her small niece. The grandmother would read these letters to Annie. Somehow, after one of Aunt Molly's letters, the little girl used always to feel herself very ignorant. But as she was a sensitive child, with a great deal of pride in her character, she would not have told this feeling of hers to any one but Silvertip or Arabella for all the world. Aunt Molly used to write of what Lizzie May, Annie's six-year-old cousin, was learning at kindergarten, and how she hoped that Annie, her dear sister's child, might come east some day, and go to school, and not be allowed to run wild on the Dakota prairie until she grew up into a perfect savage. Nearly always after reading one of these letters Annie's grandmother would push her spectacles back upon her forehead, smooth down her apron, and, looking very solemn, call the little girl to her. Annie would lean against her knee and look up earnestly into the wrinkled, kind face. The grandmother would say, "'Annie, it is high time you were learning something. Now tell me, child, how much six times four is?' Annie would blush red under her freckles, for she well knew that she was weak in the sixes. But at last she would stammer, six times four is forty-eight. Then if her father was sitting by, he would laugh at her, and grandmother would say, Oh, Annie, can't you answer such a simple question as that? And Annie, in her mind, would repeat over nearly all the numbers in that old multiplication table, but somehow always seemed to hit upon just the wrong answer as to how much six times four is, though her father would always try to signal the right answer to her behind grandmother's back. Then grandmother would sigh, shake her head sadly, and say, It's no use, John. That child will never know anything until she's sent to school regularly. Molly's girl, Lizzie May, is a year younger than our Annie, and she can say the multiplication tables right through without stopping clear up to the sevens. Annie would step softly out of the room, feeling very crushed and foolish, and just of no earthly account in this world. She was not a vain child at any time, and these sudden examinations in arithmetic took away from her just the very last little bit of faith and pride in herself that she had ever possessed. She dreaded the coming of these letters, and bitterly regretted her ignorance. She began to think of the time when her father might find the gold mine, and to wonder if there was no way in which she could help him to luck, so that she might go to school and learn things like Lizzie May in Chicago. Yet Annie was not entirely alone. While she had no children for companions, she had many little playmates who, while dumb so far as our way of talking goes, still knew how to show their love for Annie, and their delight in her companionship. And it was a great comfort to her to feel that these friends were always loyal, and liked her just as she was, and did not lose respect for her, even though she could never tell how much was six times four. Besides Billy, the burrow, and the new calf, there was a whole collection of pets, which she was always adding to by bringing in some little lost or injured stranger from the swamp or prairie to be fed and cared for. 
then there were three beautiful little bantam chickens that had been given to her she had named the small white hen snowflake one of the bantam roosters she called pantalettes because the feathers grew down around his legs just like little white ruffles the other one was a proud fierce tiny fellow who had spanish blood in his veins he was black as a coal annie called this one captain gibb after a friend of her father's i am sorry to relate that captain gibb turned out to be a terrible fighter poor pantalettes often had to be protected from him then there were two young prairie hens in modest brown dresses on one of her long walks over the prairie annie had picked them up when there were but soft balls of yellow down a cruel hunter had shot their mother and left them orphaned annie took them home and brought them up with the bantams the whole flock would come running and flying when she called them and would light on her shoulders or gather about her feet clucking and chirping from pure joy she seemed to have the knack of curing the hurts of the birds and other little wild creatures she had a pet gopher that she picked up one day in the fields with a broken leg pete pumpernickel helped her make some splints to brace the leg up and the gopher got well and could run about as briskly as ever but it would not leave the farmhouse where it had been so kindly treated and stayed on with them as tame as the bantams of all annie's little dumb friends only one had ever been so ungrateful as to run away after she had cured it this affair had happened upon her birthday when she was just six one year before the wonderful trip into Pixylvania, the land of elves, the story of which is told in the second and third parts of this book. End of chapter two. Recording by Miriam Esther Goldman.